0: This episode is sponsored by Iron Galaxy. Scream like a school kid with Capsule Force, an intergalactic retro anime multiplayer game now available on PS4 and Steam. Check it out at capsuleforce.com.
1: Coming soon to this very theater an alien message spreading auditory terror through the tiny town of Webvale.
2: Hey Arnold, why don't you give it a break with that camera? We're trying to have a
3: good time here. Sorry Reggie, I've got to take these pictures of the beach party for the photography club!
2: Ronnie, the view here sure is beautiful.
3: Not as beautiful as you, baby.
1: Oh Ronnie... Ronnie, what was that on the radio about the Templars?
3: I'm scared. It was nothing, baby. Just an anti-clerical legend spread by 18th century historians. Now let's get busy.
2: If you say so,
1: Ronnie. (laughs) Ah! A town caught in the ghastly grip of a baleful broadcast
3: from beyond. Sheriff, you've got to look at these photos. We were attacked on the beach by an asswang, or maybe a chancha.
2: Well, Arnold, all these photos are blurry.
3: That's impossible! I'm president of the photography club.
2: More like the photography flub, Arnold. Uh, 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 maybe you need to adjust your stutter speed, Arnold. Uh, uh, uh. You didn't develop these well, Arnold. Maybe you should go back to your dork room.
3: You're doing all those horrible puns, too, Sheriff. Just like all the kids in town. I gotta get these pictures to my uncle, Professor Angster, with the observatory.
1: As puns run amok through Webvale, the town falls victim to a plague of inebriated storytelling, poorly researched facts, hastily thrown together introductory segments... ...and
3: handsome guests...
1: Dr.
2: Engstrom, what's the meaning of calling me all the way up to this observatory? I've got orders from
3: the president to bomb every single radio in Webvale. I've got to contain this! General, that's insanity. I've been using the radio telescope to make observations of the Dave Nebula, and I think I've isolated where these transmissions may be coming from. I've taken some photographs using the large telescope, but they're blurry. You've got to give me more time. Cut the scientific mumbo-jumbo, Doc. What do you mean? I mean they could be trying to communicate, not to control, to explain the unexplored or explore the unexplained. All right, Doc. You've got
2: 24 hours. Then I explode the unexplained.
3: Time's up, Doctor. What do you got for me? I've invented something called the penalty box. It may be the only way to explain to them that what they do hurts us. A town
1: balanced on the razor's edge of terror. An alien message that subverts your mind. A maddening broadcast that dares to blend science and silliness. Explore the explanation this summer in the RKO radio picture They Blurred the Photos.
2: We're gonna make so many nickels off of that movie. <laughs> For some reason, that sounds really dirty to me. <laughs> what about what about our our, uh, our listener, little nickels?
0: Little nickels! Little nickels! Hey everybody, that's Dave Stecko. That son of a bitch is David Flora. That's right.
2: That means this is blurry photos. And as an astute listener may possibly have been able to determine, we have a very special guest. Who is it? <laughs> do I do I get to stay? <laughs> Move down the sofa. You haven't been introduced yet. <laughs> You're dead to us until we acknowledge you. Put him back in the box.
3: That's fair, <laughs>
2: ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Kenneth Height. Hey. Yeah. Welcome back, Ken. Thanks for having me back, guys. Oh, thanks for coming back. We we needed it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. You're great. <laughs> we <laughs> You're are great. Notch. We're we're
0: pips. We're, we're parsec award nominees. Third year, <laughs> yeah! three years yeah, running.
2: <laughs> I'm telling you, we can't. It is impossible for us to lose this scenario. We either pick up the hat trick, right, or they finally capitulate and give us their damn award. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we we are in a I, a great scenario I here. I really am torn between which I want more. I know, I know, because I feel like. The hat trick, the eternal bridesmaid, would be very personally satisfying mm-hmm. in a weird way.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But it's also a lot easier to explain to strangers that we won an award. That's, you know.
3: The third try. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what mundane's value. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, for example, I just won the gold Annie for best podcast, and I value that. Hello. congratulations Hello. so that's that would be an example oh, right which there. podcast would that be ken? that would be ken and robin talk about stuff oh. available wherever fine podcasts are sold <laughs> or <laughs> give it away for free as right, is more traditional yeah as is the
2: current situation yeah. yes oh we would love to charge you money
1: but we can't
2: <laughs> no we won't we won't uh
0: because it, it tastes better he- when it comes from your heart <laughs> cuz
2: you'd stop listening.
0: <laughs> but that's not why you're here. You're not no. here to talk about us. About uh, your
3: funding model. That's yeah. right. <laughs> I said funding model.
0: <laughs> you're here to to hear what Ken has to say about uh actually probably a a topic that we might have gotten to eventually anyway. Yep. Uh, because it's it's a lot of fun. <laughs>
2: this is a topic we might have someday Maybe gotten into got fumbling to, into, but who's to say? <laughs> could have happened. It could
3: have. You I'm not going to say it wouldn't have happened. I and was we'll kind of never. surprised it hadn't happened, frankly. Now we'll never know. Yeah.
2: Because tonight we're talking about the Majestic 12. <laughs> yeah. Ken, what
0: are, you, what are you working on these
3: days? Why are we even talking to you about this?
2: What's, what's what the, the hell deal? are you here, Ken? <laughs> Answer me! <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think specifically you're talking to me about this because I've done a uh, project called Moondust Men, which is a uh, mini game, a mini gumshoe game uh, available in... Ken writes about stuff which is my series of pdfs that you Mm -hmm. can subscribe to or you can buy the singles individually and one of them is called moon dust men and in that one you play ufo crash investigators for the air force's project moon dust in 1978 which is well after blue book has been canceled and well after they've just said there's no such things as ufos but you of course still have to go out and keep them out of the hands of the communists Uh and uh and david bowie i feel
2: like if there's a project moon dust david
3: he's getting involved with it he's probably part of the the cover-up behind the Mm -hmm. cover-up
1: keep it out of my
3: hands (laughs) he is in league with the spiders from mars so you never never can tell so this uh this this then is a a role-playing um yeah yeah, a it's a role-playing game. Uh, the Like I say, this is a gumshoe campaign frame. You can attach it to Knight's Black Agents or Trail of Cthulhu or whatever other gumshoe game you're playing and just uh, go nuts with it. And I'm currently writing a couple of expansions for it. Uh, one of them is called Majestic Overwatch, which is in which you uh, either play or manipulate. I'm not exactly sure which it's going to be. The uh, steering committee that decides what uh, the United States government's anti-UFO uh, po- policies and postures are going to be build a wall build a wall exactly
2: <laughs> build a so sky wall, wall in the sky <laughs> that's right build a ceiling yeah a sky there.
3: wall right
2: can we i mean drop ceiling ain't that expensive i mean i had to put it in my office it wasn't more than two thousand dollars so i mean we cover that's right you call to it math. cover america Just math. in a that's drop ceiling pretty simple
3: plus it's uh acoustic
2: <laughs> yeah i mean you're, we're gonna save on our utility bill that's get right get off there. foreign oil you can finally hear each other talk <laughs> that's right <laughs> Uh, which uh, before we get into that though, um, let's uh, let's update. Okay, Dracula dossier. What about it? How'd it go?
3: Yeah. Uh, it uh, did really well. Uh, no doubt. Thanks in a large part to the podcast here at employee <laughs> photos. Yes. Uh, and accept it, that. Uh, <laughs> it completed, it funded, it then broke its funding levels pretty dramatically. Fist oh, is it pump. okay?
1: Yeah. It is, it is
3: just fine. <laughs> is it mending? It's mending. <laughs> well, now of course we have to write all the stuff we promised to write. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now yeah. Yes, you have a lot of promises to keep. Didn't we, you? Yes, we did. We got up to 130 uh, odd thousand or $140,000 by the end of the day. So that was, fourth largest uh rpg supplement uh kickstarter ever wow. five. well done Ken. yes and without the word cthulhu in it so that's yeah. really top two <laughs> um yeah so the uh dracula dossier uh finished really well the core books are in pdf form and available to backers now we are hopefully by the time this airs taking pre-orders on the Pelgrane press website so if you missed out on the uh uh, kickstarter you can go to com and pre-order your very own dracula unredacted and dracula dossier director's handbook books and go banana nuts with dracula and british espionage in the last century awesome i'm into that sounds
0: like such a fun game yeah yeah exactly (laughs) So congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. Let's uh, uh let's dive into um what you've been what you now now to yep, do, no. Thanks. If you could
2: uh-huh. wait. No. To, it's, uh, it's got to be your ball.
1: <laughs> shut up. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> to, <laughs> 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 to, all right.
0: Uh, to do the research for uh, Moondust Men right. and and these great add-ons uh, mm-hmm. that you were talking about, uh, you had to uh, research a lot of the stuff with the Majestic 12, obviously with prob- uh, Project Blue Book, right? Mm-hmm. Can you give us and our listeners a quick... Um, How's your father of
3: <laughs> well, <laughs> I could,
2: as the actress while said, the in the mission, are, but, no, the but
3: you couldn't we, afford it.
2: <laughs> yeah. They did not. You don't know me. That stretch. Goal. <laughs> no, that, <that's> a, <laughs> we did not get that was the two million dollar special stretch
3: goal. <laughs> and we did not get there. Can yes, you can give us a, a quick partner with Tinder and then that <laughs> didn't work out. <laughs> because we had a sudden attack well, of on good man. taste. That's yeah, that really is. Uh,
0: can you can you tip a little hat to uh, Project Blue Book? Give us a quick overview, and then and then we can get into the majestic twelve proper. Right.
3: right. Uh, Project Blue Book was the latest of three government projects that were ostensibly involved in investigating UFO sightings. And Mm -hmm. the first was, I believe, Project Sign and then Project Grudge, which you can tell how much they loved (laughs) it by that name. And then Project Blue Book was the last one. And the goal was to provide a place for people who saw UFOs to, you know, write into the Air Force and say, I saw these UFOs. And if their sighting was not immediately, you know, drunken and insane, the Air Force, in theory, would send someone out to investigate. But Blue Book was a tiny, tiny office run out of Wright patterson air force base it had like uh maybe six or seven guys full time and maybe not even full time attached to it and it's mostly its job was just to make double sure that no one was seeing and in the real world was no one was seeing soviet uh intrusion uh, surveillance aircraft or conversely we're spotting classified us surveillance aircraft because of course we now know that so many of these mysterious radar tracks actually were U2 mm-hmm. overflights and <laughs> they would call up the air force and say do you have a plane and they would say well no we do not topical right because the C- the cia has the plane ha. gotcha <laughs> right there <laughs> idiots on your in your face well i probably shouldn't have said cia out loud <laughs> that was on me but uh but <laughs> oh but, no <laughs> the blue book was sort of half pr and half cover-up and half actual attempt to just make sure there wasn't anything to it because when you look at it you you know that there are parts of the federal government that are remarkably credulous of idiotic theories Mm -hmm. of one kind or another and this is at basically the same time that they're investigating uh can esp be used as a weapon of war they're doing project grill flame and the whole remote viewing nonsense Yep. so there's all kinds of stuff going on in the 50s 60s 70s when they're thinking about maybe trying to use what we might think of as uh, idiocy or the paranormal yeah you pick your pick your yeah. poison uh, <laughs> for national security purposes careful uh, we love you listeners yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so the paranormal um, <laughs> as uh, as weapons of war tools for national security so there may have been some g- genuine interest in the part of the air Force in Blue book but by uh, I believe it's 1970 or the early 70s, they have decided that uh the whole thing is a waste of time and money because there isn't anything coming up in the you know public uh sightings that they don't already figure out that they know the answer to so mm-hmm. they shut the whole program down and say well that was it there's no ufos and they publish it all in a lovely report that you can get from the u.s government printing office for nine bucks or whatever it is or it's probably <laughs> online now yeah and uh that was that and then they made a lovely tv show about it uh which i watched as an impressionable child in the 70s what was that uh, called chips called uh ufo really yeah i don't know that show yeah, it was really good well it, it wasn't actually it was pretty terrible but it had <laughs> two air force guys who would go around and investigate ufos and mostly it turned out to be nonsense but sometimes it was they couldn't explain it and then that would be the end of the episode Wow, because nice. it was 70s tv and they could do that then did they <laughs> did they end up uh making out was there a little... no it was two boy <laughs> air force guys and it was before boy air force guys were allowed to make out yeah yeah so was it though was it, <laughs> it was a different time it was when they, uh-huh. before they were allowed to yeah <laughs> on camera
0: <laughs> uh so so Roswell happened in 1947. Right. Blue Book is the third you said the third project out of them. When did they when did they start? They because Roswell started, it kicked off a lot of stuff um with the the government putting these projects into to place, but there was a lot going on before that too, right? Wasn't there some projects that they that aren't very well known? Mm-hmm. Uh, at least not as well known as, as Roswell.
3: I'd heard of Grudge. I'd actually
2: never heard of Sign. I don't know anything about Sign.
3: Yeah, well, Sign was the first one, and that was I, I believe that Sign was the one that comes in between Roswell and the uh uh f- the big UFO flap over Washington in 1952. If mm-hmm. you remember, or not 1952 in 19, um, yeah, 52. I do uh, remember because yeah. I am a time traveler. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a, a giant daylight sighting a bunch of ufos coming over washington dc and i think it's the summer of 1952 and it's a big whoop and i think that is what turns project grudge into project blue book is the decision that this it it looks like a big deal uh because it's making national news that there's all these ufos over washington dc and it looks bad if the government is like well we don't know what that is right Mm -hmm. um so i think that uh sign begins after not so much after roswell but after the the mantel sighting in 1947, the first flying saucer sighting. Okay. And then grudge happens in, I believe 1950 when they turn it over to the military mm-hmm. and it's taken out of the hands of the, uh, civilian department of defense, which is what sign is. And then, uh, it goes over to the military in 50 and they hate it because it's a waste of everyone's damn time. And then in, uh, 52, I think after the, uh, the big explosion of, uh, UFO news, the sort of the, the first big UFO flap after the 47 flap, um, in Washington state, uh, the blue book sort of becomes their, their big PR response, hmm. uh, before 1947, you know, who knows, right? Because there's all manner of top secret U S atmospheric radar experiments going on, but they're not talking about UFOs because there isn't a public, con- you know, there's no public knowledge right, of, right. or interest in things seen in the sky. Si- I mean, the last big UFO outbreak before 1947 was in the 1890s <laughs> when the mysterious airship is being sighted, all over the world, and that is well before the government thinks it's its job to have an office for everything. An interstellar Zeppelin. Uh, the interstellar Zeppelin is awesome. <laughs> you guys haven't done the 1897 airship. I advise <laughs> you uh, it's, it's every kind of alien contactee that you have in our modern <laughs> UFOs only coming out of a Zeppelin, often asking for you know spring water and wrenches to repair their Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> and in one case, a bearded inventor saying his name was Wilson and he was going to go fight the Spanish <laughs> in his airship and then they had a faked crash even uh at aurora texas you'll you'll still hear about the aurora texas airship crash which as far as anyone knows was made up either by the newspaper in aurora or by a board telegraph operator <laughs> because a lot of these sightings turn out to be telegraph operators because they're they got to stay at the telegraph 24 7 so just like on the internet yeah if you're there at a keyboard you're going to start talking smack <laughs> and so a lot of these guys would say ah mysterious you <laughs> know, over butte montana bah, 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 bah. and then just <laughs> let, let that ride uh, just put it up i like
0: to imagine a, a telegraph yelp of like richard's dry fuss
2: store <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh so now was there any formal investigation i know that there were um in world war ii uh a number of, of ufo sightings the foo fighters yeah. yes exactly exactly and, and there was because uh, that's why it would, i i'd never heard of sign so in, in my mind at first i was like oh well, maybe a sign came out of the uh, foo fighters world war ii sightings or
3: no uh the foo fighters were investigated just by the u.s army air force uh because they wanted to know if it was a german electrical weapon mm-hmm. and they, you know, looked into it, and I think they basically said, "Well, it's probably ball lightning. It's like, you know, St. Elmo's fire only for planes." Yeah. And it since it turned out that the Foo Fighters never actually fought anything, they could go <laughs> ahead and say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the I'm I'm fairly sure that someone, you know, in the uh, the uh, Operation Paperclip or the Operation Peppermint guys who are going through all the German, you know, rocketry uh, data uh, uh, bases are looking for. Did anyone have a yeah electrical weapon? And there may or may not have been an attempt because there are indications in some german records that may or may not be forgeries because this is the magical world you live in once you yeah. venture into this uh that the germans did try a static electricity weapon called foyerball which would be a fireball uh but that either it didn't work or it was you know like a standard nazi project it worked great as long as you could spend 10 percent of the reich's you know, supply of cobalt building it. And yeah, yeah. like, we don't want to do that.
2: Right. Cause yeah. I, we, we, cause we talked about that on the, uh, the on Nazis, the Nazi the, cult, yeah, yeah. Uh, the lightning shield and, mm-hmm. and a lot of their interest in that particular di- direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's, uh, that's, I was just curious about that to see if they yeah. uh, formalize this. So not, not until, uh, well after.
3: Yeah. Not until it becomes, I mean, again, they, they do this mostly, I think in response to public interest mm-hmm. and public interest in those days, of course, also included the Congress because, some guy in Washington state sees a UFO. He's going to write to his congressman and say, yeah, what's the air force doing about this? And the congressman's going to call the Pentagon and the Pentagon being brand new at that time was like, Oh, we'd better have something that we can tell a Congress. Yeah. Oh man. Oh man. Back when the congressman cared. <laughs> yeah. Back when the Pentagon cared. <laughs> <laughs> back when we all cared. Um, Back so when you could write a letter and mail it <laughs> for five cents, damn it. What happened to this country? I'll tell you what, no, never mind.
2: I used to, I was going to write a letter, but I went and saw a movie instead. Thanks, <laughs> Obama. I lost my nickel. Uh,
0: <laughs> Thanks, Truman.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> so, okay, so that's
0: Project Blue Book. Um, so where does Majestic 12 uh, come into play?
3: Uh, Majestic 12 comes into play uh, with something that is leaked to a ufo investigator named benowitz and it shows up in i want to say 1980 or 1982 he gets a memo called the benowitz memo because it's linked to him and he gets it from a source in the air force office of special investigations the afosi and the afosi has been sort of fencing with this guy because he's like going up and saying you're covering up ufos and they're like you're a crazy person back and forth and back and forth but for whatever reason he keeps going back, and they keep, you know, <laughs> taking his meetings, and at some point, a man identified as an AFOSI agent named Richard Doty gives this guy a memo, and he reads the memo, and the memo mentions uh, strange lights in the sky and UFOs and things like that, and it includes a reference to something called Majestic 12, but the memo is a different version of the same memo that Doty has already given Benowitz so that Benowitz has not promulgated into the UFO community. Mm-hmm. And so Benowitz knows that it's been changed probably by Doty or by someone at AFO OSI and says, I'm not going to distribute this. And he says, okay, fine. Don't worry. Uh, and so he keeps the, the first version that he has in his briefcase. Doty then manages to send it to another UFO guy who then leaks it to a UFO uh, uh, meetup, uh-huh. like a big UFO community meetup. And then Benowitz has his original version stolen from his briefcase this of course is on benowitz's testimony so benowitz could also have lost it benowitz could have made it up who knows right right but this first memo gets out there and it's pretty much ignored because it doesn't really say anything it just sort of hints that there's some indication then in 1984 a guy named jaime shondera who is a, a ufologist working with william moore who has written a book on the philadelphia experiment and a book on roswell with charles berlitz of bermuda triangle fame comes up with a, a bunch of 35 millimeter film that he says is left on his front doorstep and he takes it and he has it developed and it turns into an eight page memo purporting to be to president Eisenhower the incoming president Eisenhower president-elect Eisenhower from Roscoe Hillencutter who is <laughs> I believe I want to say great his, name. Oh yeah. Great name. That's, Roscoe
2: Helen Keller. Actually
3: we're, we're getting, we're getting a lot of good names out of this. So, <laughs> Oh, the majestic 12 is your source and because I haven't <laughs> even said Detlev Bronk yet. I'm just leaving that as a, as, as a, as a, as a hint as a sign, if you will. Uh, but yeah, so Roscoe Helen Keller writes this memo and I think he's secretary of the air force at the time and was former CIA. And he writes this memo to, to Eisenhower saying, just to brief you on the Roswell crash and the whole UFO situation and the existence of a group called Majestic 12, or MJ-12. Uh, And these are 12 heads or deputy heads of various cabinet-level organizations assembled by Truman after the Roswell crash to investigate the UFO phenomenon. And this whole memo goes out to uh, Jaime Shandera and to another, I think to another guy in England at the time, and then it gets released to the press, and so Shandera goes forward with it and releases it, and it's a big whoop-de-doo. And this memo becomes sort of the basis for the whole Majestic 12 uh, mythology that everything is built on this on this eight page memo that Shandera finds on his front doorstep. Now, as against this, there's the fact that William Moore has tried to sell a novel called Operation Magic 12, which he was going to co-write with a reporter from the National Enquirer.
2: Yeah. Which predates all of that. Right. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And there's the fact that, of course, we are as sure almost as we can be that someone in AFOSI was using the UFO community to mess with the Soviets, right? Because you know, the,
2: the AFOSI, that's the air, the air force, force Office yes, of, of special, special investigations
3: it, yep. or someone higher up is using the AFOSI to do it. But it is almost certain that in order to distract the Soviets from the very real research that we're doing on advanced aircraft, mm-hmm. that they are spreading disinformation through these credulous boobs. <laughs> I mean, dedicated researchers. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we know that disinformation is happening. And even in the ufological community, there is a huge argument as to how much of these supposed government leaks are disinformation and how much of it are information. And depending on what year a researcher writes a book, he is going to change his mind sometimes because it comes out much, not that much later, but somewhat later, that the signature on this uh, Majestic 12 memo, the 1984 one, is a exact duplicate of an unclassified Truman signature on a different memo including pen scratches that uh, are from off the page right that hmm. don't have anything to do with the signature mm-hmm. so it is transparently clear that at the very least Truman's signature on this memo is a forgery regardless mm-hmm. of whether you agree with any mm-hmm. of the rest of it so the uh general consensus now is that Majestic 12 was a disinformation operation and or a clumsy forgery by William Moore because a lot of Moore's uh, letters about this and some of the typed documents in later Majestic 12 releases look very much like they came from William Moore's typewriter. And for example, in the Majestic 12 memos, uh, they give dates in the format of say um, nine July comma 1947, which is not a military format because they don't use commas in the military. But (laughs) If you looked at Moore's letters. Because there's no time. We don't slow no down. down. No, yeah, time. no, no time. No time for no commas. <laughs> commas are, that's, that's half communism right there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. right there. What are rant. you trying to say, son? <laughs> so the, uh, so uh, uh, Philip Klass, the famous uh, debunker, pointed out that William Moore's personal correspondence also put dates in that format, at which point William Moore stopped putting dates in that format in his personal correspondence, <laughs> as if to say, I don't always do it. You can't uh, prove anything.
2: Oh, sometimes I'm. I, you don't know but, me. <laughs> uh,
3: then Moore later on went to a UF And th- this is the magic and beauty of this whole <laughs> operation is that Moore later on goes to a big UFO conference and I want to say this is in the '90s, uh, late '90s, early 2000s. He goes to a big UFO conference and he says, "I was part of an Air Force disinformation operation." because I knew they had to be covering up the real truth about UFOs. So I was a double agent to try and find out the real truth by promulgating all of these ridiculous lies.
2: And I've gone cross-eyed.
3: And I've gone cross-eyed, <laughs> exactly. And it, uh, as you can imagine, it caused a great dust-up in the UFOlogical community. Um,
2: <laughs> Guys, it's so true. I've had to lie to you for. Ever. Does anyone have any spring water and a wrench?
0: To <laughs> yeah. fix
3: I have to go fight the Spanish you in have Cuba to now. Fight the Spanish now, <laughs> but uh, but but yeah. So that's Moore has basically, at least at one point, said that he was actively engaged in producing disinformation, which may again be confabulation of just being a clumsy forger, or it may have been that whoever was in the CIA or Air Force or DIA recognized that this is exactly the kind of guy you want to be producing your. <laughs> confabulated uh, (laughs) false information because he's an incredibly unsound witness.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Sounds like the Carlos Allende from the Philadelphia experience. Well,
3: uh, it turns out that these fields tend to attract this kind of person. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Really though? Really? And again, in fairness, so does real espionage. If you look at the history of espionage, it is littered with people who just make crap up and claim that they were part of some spy operation when they weren't. And some of these guys are actually spies and are still lying some of these guys are spies who are lying to move a cover forward and some of these guys are just delusional fringe people that get swept up because if you're the cia and you say well we might need to send someone to kill some foreign dictator yeah. uh probably a or some foreign democratically elected guy <laughs> <laughs> we should probably have a disturbed drifter right on mm-hmm. the payroll yeah just let's keep a couple of those around <laughs> exactly and so you get these people with weird confabulatory tendencies, not just in UFO investigation, but also in gen- in genuine espionage. So you cannot rule out, although uh, class, among other people, says that the majestic forgeries are so clumsy that he doesn't believe that the government would do them, which I think shows a touching faith in <laughs> yeah. the skill <scale> of our <laughs> clandestine agencies. But um, uh, that they might have been part of a genuine government disinformation program aimed at You know, messing with the Soviets and having them not look at the actual aircraft research that was going on at Area 51 or Mm -hmm. actual in uh, by the 80s, uh, the high energy lasers and particle beam research that was part of Star Wars and all the other stuff that we do that we don't actually want the Soviets to find out about. And if you remember, the Soviets would never believe that anything in the American media was accidental. Uh-huh. They thought that every story that showed up in the media was on purpose, right? They were like Noam right. Chomsky. They thought <laughs> yeah. that if there's a movie about UFOs, it's because the government wants there to be a movie about UFOs. Yeah. And, and, and so every,
2: the- every person does that. It, it like, that's your own psychological bias. I, I was having a discussion uh, the other day with somebody that everyone sees the entire world is populated with clones of themselves. It's the only way people kind of make sense of things, you know? So, um you know duplicitous people assume that people are duplicitous you know like Mm -hmm. it's it's that kind of
3: that kind of reflexive uh uh, worldview yeah and since the soviets practiced or as much as they could total information control in their own society they must assume that obviously the capitalists do that in america (laughs) and so even clumsy idiotic ufo forgeries might have been enough to distract the soviets because the soviets would look at things like the UFO Congress, which are waving around top secret classified mm-hmm. documents all the time, and think, well, the government has to have known about this. This has to be an intentional operation. And then the Soviets would have to think, well, are they covering up real UFOs or are yeah. they doing something else? So at do the they, very least. Do they know we knew? Because I think
2: they knew that we knew what they knew that we knew. knew.
3: Did you know that? But at the very <laughs> least, you can imagine some poor KGB guy having to trail one of these. <laughs> disturbed confabulators through the Montana desert you know Yeah. just you know calling in from some hellish hotel in Arizona <laughs> uh, it is Oleg once more he has stopped and looked up into sky and then typed all night <laughs> want to kill myself yeah
0: <laughs> Oh, if only I could be back in Soviet <laughs> Russia.
3: Oh, <laughs> if I could be back in Sverdlovsk. <laughs> I need not uh,
2: kill him. He, too much beef jerky. Too Nothing much. but beef jerky. No. He'll die soon. He is to die. <laughs> <laughs> He's much cholesterol. <laughs> Very unhealthy. So the Russians assume then that, that all of this is according to a plan. Mm-hmm. So how does that how does that ultimately shake out into any does that does that even shake out into any kind of response? Are they just like uh, or
3: net positive for for the U.S.? Well, yeah. I, mean, I, I guess the general thinking is that if it's wasting the KGB's time and efforts, it's a net positive already. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know that uh, it necessarily produces any sort of you know major change in Soviet policy, although in 1977 and 1978, the Soviets set up their own UFO investigation program. Hmm. called uh uh i think it's called svetka ko and S- or svetka mo that are um officially you know there's a a government one and a military one and so again this is them wasting time and money so there you go they've they've at least set up an office in mirror of our uh, alleged office or in mirror of the now gone blue book and if you're looking for you know exciting stories of the secret spetsnaz ufo uh, re- retrieval teams, then that's who they're working for is those guys in uh, in the Kremlin.
0: Now, is there any
3: etymology to why it was called Majestic? I f- don't know why it would be called Majestic, uh, except, again, because William Moore's novel spelled magic with a J, or mm. his proposed novel was M-A-J-I-K, right? <laughs> and so if uh, you're looking for why is MJ-12 mj-12 and i think majestic may have been his oh i can't call it magic or else they will recognize my novel Mm -hmm. um maybe it's majestic or maybe it was uh, something that they just suggested it but mj-12 is how it appears in that first benowitz memo
2: the bulls already had mj-23 so so they had
3: he had to come up with something that would match mj um if if you're asking you know why would it be named majestic obviously if you look at the sort of you know the the way in the 1940s they'd got code words is they had a big list of things that didn't sound stupid that could be code words and then they just picked them off a list and uh, they so, gave up on that yeah now it's just all you know provide enduring freedom hope and things. yeah it's all just terrible <laughs> yeah, it all as long as it words. has the word freedom uh families mm-hmm. enduring is a good yeah word. right. Yeah, so the, uh, and, and things like, you know, Operation Desert Thunder. Oh, I wonder what that is. Said. Yeah. Saddam Hussein never. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll bet it's about um, the Sahara. <laughs> yeah, it's it's about other stuff. Yeah. Is it
2: an anagram for Saddam Hussein
3: never? It could be. Oh. Uh, sweet. Maybe in Arabic it is. I don't know. I,
2: don't, I, I thought that's what you were implying. No, I was, I was like, just
3: saying that Saddam Hussein was probably not fooled. True. When he would hear about Operation Desert Storm and think, "Oh, I wonder where that desert is. That that sounds unlucky. Those poor bastards. <laughs> Somebody's going to get it." So anyway, so unfortunately, I'm in Kuwait, which is a swamp, not a desert. <laughs> 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 yeah, can't <laughs> okay. fool me. Oh, um, Qatar,
2: you bunch of dips. You done you, it. You done
0: it yeah, now.
3: Yeah, Mauritania's <laughs> got it up the butt. <laughs> <laughs> Said everyone ever. <laughs> So the um so I I think majestic has that good I mean one of the great things about the majestic mythology in terms of using it is that it does actually sound cool right I mean yeah, it's part sure. of it is operation Overlord you know operation majestic it's it's that grudge sounds cool too you No know, grudge grudge is again one of those sort of code names that doesn't really encode anything yeah but just a name just a name just what we mean um because eye roll was taken (laughs) (laughs) project crossed arms sigh (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh majestic sounds good and i i suspect that more i mean if you've read his books with Berlitz, they're good book they're fun i mean they're entertaining they rack it along nicely uh and i'm sure the novel would have been great too but i i suspect that if he comes up with the name or then you just that ooh MJ majestic that's good And yeah. stuck mm-hmm. with it just mm-hmm. go with that plus it sort of evoked magic and you know when you're making stuff up you like to leave little Easter eggs for yourself
2: yeah <laughs> so so let me ask you this then so and this is only sort of tangential to majestic twelve itself but in, God forbid right yeah yeah no I'm uh, guys I don't <laughs> want to wander off course here <laughs> but there's this this consistent thing that happens so I mean. By six different ways from Sunday, Majestic 12 is not accurate, you know, like, like they, there's, you know, no matter how you cut it, this is not gospel. This is not a, a, a thing. But it's out there, which means it's never coming back.
3: Right, yeah. No, it's part of the permanent mythology, right? Yeah. It, it was the backstory in Dark Skies, and they've used it in X-Files. It's part of the, like, it, like I say, I mean, I use the word mythology advisedly. It's yeah. how we explain stuff to ourselves that we don't understand. And the notion of 12 top men meeting around a room in the Pentagon yeah. and uh, talking about UFOs, that's that's just a much better explanation from than. Oh,
2: right. The, the, these this, (laughs) this is the info warriors elites. These Mm -hmm. are, you know, this is, this is a a kernel of that. And so do you, but in, in, uh, conspiracy theory, uh, cryptozoology, ufology in, in the paranormal in general, there is this, this, this safety valve of, uh, disinformation Mm -hmm. to say, well, anything that we, that finally is proven to, to be false, well, don't worry. We can actually flip it, stitch it back in on the other end, and still use it for our grist mill. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I guess my my question is is I guess I guess you already answered it. That's where it crosses over from um, an investigation to folklore to myth yeah. to to making people feel better about a thing that they don't understand and need to. to even if they know it doesn't do anything, but to to bolt a steering wheel onto the side of the boat so they feel like they're in control of
3: it. There's a really good book called, I believe it's called UFO Crash at Roswell because all the actually interesting titles were taken. (laughs) (laughs) But it's by uh, two academic folklorists, and they go through every version of the Roswell story from the first newspaper reports to every version that's come out in every UFO book and every movie, Mm -hmm. and they trace how the story has followed the same patterns that any story follows to become folklore Hmm. right that that is uh, awesome that there needs to be three of something for it to be a folklore in the western tradition so that's why there's three aliens all of a sudden Uh right um there's uh there uh one of the witnesses is described as red-haired suddenly and that's like a tell right especially in um uh, Irish myth or anything that comes out of uh, the European myth tradition. Mm-hmm. If something's got red hair, that's a signal that the other world is involved. Huh, yeah, there right?
2: was even even in the Simpsons, they were telling the story about the man who caught the giant catfish had a shock of hair, red as fire. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah,
3: <laughs> and so. Just to read the history of this Roswell, the historiography of Roswell from a folklorical, persp- folklorical, folkloric perspective.
2: <laughs> oh, of, don't worry, we do fine. You're fine. You're, you're fine, safe. You're
3: fine. Um, is, I mean, it's another really great way to look at it. And I think it's really the interesting way to look at it because yeah, uh, I agree with you know, that. You even if there are you know crashed pieces of some experimental aircraft or weather balloon or whatever, it's much more interesting to ask what do, why do we still care. Right. Right. I mean, if it had been little gray men from Zeta Reticuli, I think that by 19, you know, that was 1947. I think, you know, 80 years later, we'd have a second piece of evidence to that end. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Just Just anything. Right. And obviously, yes, people go back, Barney and Betty Hill, whatever. But all of these cases keep sort of not turning out to be dispositive. And, you know, it doesn't take you 80 years you know, when medieval people found America in less time than that. Right. Right. So uh, all things considered, I think it's so much more interesting to look at it as the way that it gets into our culture Mm -hmm. and it's more fun to play with then because then you can sort of, you don't feel as constrained by it. Although one of the fun things about the majestic mythology is to sort of say, all right, you can't change anything from that memo, that source memo. You have to pretend that that's the honest truth. And so then you look at the twelve guys who are named in the memo as the original Majestic Twelve and it turns out that oh one of them was in fact um uh he was an astrophysicist who was famous as a UFO debunker, right? And so that's why he's on the Yeah is because William Moore's like, Screw you, damer. And he wants oh, yeah. him in. But it turns out when you look into his career, no, he actually was investigating uh, aerial phenomena for the military in world war ii he was on the radar teams and he was on other sort of very high-end uh technical teams that would have naturally made him a go-to guy for ufo information if there was a guy and so sort of the way that it's built um another of the guys on the on the na- on the uh majestic 12 list is Vannevar bush who is the scientific advisor to fdr and he wrote a book called uh, 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 less less we skip over it right Vannevar. Vannevar. What a time to be alive. Yeah. Very bliss it was in that day to be named Vannevar. (laughs) He wrote an essay called How We May Think, which basically predicted the internet. He was saying, well, we have too much information now. The only way to think is to hyperlink it so that every piece of information points to every other piece of information. And he posited a device called the Mimex that would be the way that you would make sense of all of this information. Because there had been attempts to do it with card files, right? In Belgium, there was this thing called um, uh, I think it was called the Odiatum that was this giant uh, card file. And you'd write away if you wanted to know anything, you'd write to Belgium and then they'd get you the answer back. <laughs> and it was like, wow. you know, really slow Google. But with <laughs> a Telegram, it wasn't even that slow, right? Yeah. You just Telegram Belgium if you can pay the dollar or whatever. And then they'll tell you. Oh, it's, like 20, it's like 20 movies, dude. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and so the, um, uh, and so he's thinking, well, we should just have a desktop version of that that you could have in libraries and in the government that would have all this information. And he called it the Mimax. And then he said, also there's boobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then William Randolph first said, if it can have boobs and cats, I can have it on the desk tomorrow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> boobs and cats. but the uh, I'd buy that for a dollar. But then of course, if you buy what you know, Stanton Friedman and William Corso say is that we use. The, which I don't, well, which I not. do not. Well, uh, nor, nor should you. Thank but you. But w- that we use the Roswell uh crash to basically create things like the internet and computers well guess what that's what vannevar bush is predicting so vannevar bush's predictions of how uh, networked information works become prefiguring of this other element of the myth but they also prefigure is, is, is so it all sort of you know ties in together another guy is james Forrestal, who was the secretary of defense and he committed suicide uh famously after having a nervous breakdown Um, And so he's he's in the limousine, the closed limousine with Stuart Symington, the uh, secretary of the Air Force, going back from the ceremony at which he's publicly removed as secretary of defense. He's in a closed limo with his enemy, Stuart Symington. He comes out of the limo and is found at his desk hours later saying only he is a loyal fellow over and over and over again. So it's it looks like, you know, alien brainwashing. If you saw it in the X-Files, you'd say, oh, that's just a little too over the top. So he's. Uh, committed to Bethesda Naval Hospital and he believes he's um uh, reported to have been always paranoid that people were following him. And they, they asked the head of the Secret Service, uh, what what about Forrestal? What's going on? he says, oh, he's just paranoid. He believed people were following him. Well, look, it turns out later the head of the Secret Service had had people following him. <laughs> right. And so he was using reports of his paranoia to cover up his own surveillance of the secretary of defense. And he's surveilling him because they thought that Forrestal was basically going to go over to the Republicans. If Dewey won,
2: uh-huh.
3: right? And that's why he's removed is because he's a, you know, political, uh, unreliable.
2: And for, and he just,
3: he just saw one
2: newspaper headline. And for like eight hours, he was like, I'm going over. Wait, what, what? Oh, <laughs> damn
3: it. and so, um, and so, yeah, he is being followed. And then it turns out the Israelis are following his staff because he was a big proponent of not supporting Israel and supporting the Arabs, uh, in the Arab Israeli wars, because he's like, dude, all the oils in the Arab countries supporting Israel will get us nothing but pain and heartbreak. And the Israelis are like, we can't have that. So they've got guys following him. Plus, we know from the Venona transcripts
2: that he pissed off uh, the, the Scientologists. That, so that, that there's, they're,
3: that now they're, they're following there's, him. There's a huge Soviet spy ring in the Truman State Department and Defense Department. Mm-hmm. So maybe the KGB is also following him. So he's not so much paranoid as just, being followed a lot <laughs> yeah, noticing what's happening but then the, the uh, Stuart Symington of course shows up much later as a guy who is reported to have uh, been involved in a big UFO cover up and one of the Senate I think it's Senator Bingaman, uh writes away to Symington's office to say uh, or not, not to Symington's office but to the office of the Secretary of the Air Force to say I want all of Symington's papers about this alleged UFO cover up and, but Simon, but Simonton turns out to be a big figure in covering up UFOs or not covering up UFOs, but ignoring senators. <laughs> um, and so if he's the guy who drives Forrest all crazy, so you see that a lot of this mythology turns out to be, and, if, and of course the whole question of, did he actually jump? Was he, you know, pushed out the window? He, he, he winds up going out the window of, of Bethesda 17th floor. Uh, he ties a uh, knot around his neck uh, tries to hang himself out the window and the knot gives. And so he winds up falling to his death. I
2: mean, maybe it's, it's callous to say, but he had a backup plan. He had a
3: it was going to work. It was, gonna- yeah. <laughs> it was either
0: hanged or out the window. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
3: yeah. But the, uh, but, it, but again, you look into it and his, uh, his guard at the time, his regular guard was AWOL that night. And his guard on the night he commits suicide is a new guard. Now, when you really look into it, it turns out that that was the day they took him off the antidepressants. So Ah. that's probably what did it. But it all builds into this really crazy conspiracy thing. And in the Majestic documents, there's even a message that Forrestal knew too much, right? Oh, nice. (laughs) So they build it in. So there's a lot of, you know, meat on that bone. It's not Mm -hmm. just the same sort of, you know, boring blah, 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 UFOs, whatever. Whoever put together the Majestic 12 they did a little bit of work. They made sure that the people had some juice to them.
2: But I, or could you just take any twelve people of sufficient rank or influence and just know that those connections would, yeah, would
3: fulminate themselves? I mean, that's 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 the actual. That, that that's what happens whenever you look at any kind of conspiracy, right. right?
2: You get that that Lincoln Kennedy kind of thing where you you start looking for connections and you'll find them. Exactly. Did any of the people that were
0: uh named as the Majestic Twelve say anything about <laughs> being called part of the Majestic Twelve.
3: Well I think that the um uh damer or whatever his name is, the the famous UFO debunker, I think, may have gone out of his way to say, No, I was not on Majestic Twelve, you crazy people. Um and I'm not sure how many of the people that were named were alive in the eighties by the time that they were named. The
2: best see. four of us were majestic. The rest Just merely adequate. Merely <laughs> merely
3: coattail <laughs> hangers. <laughs>
2: Oh, and one of us far exceeded, and I shan't say which. But one of
3: us was Beyond, It Was Vanavar. Vanavar. Beyond, Beyond majestic yeah. as a and god. the cat is out with the back. Hyper majestic, really. <laughs> it's the hyper majestic one and the adequate eleven.
2: Robert Montague. Oh, what a man! So
0: you said they were a part of um, different departments. Yeah. What are what are what were some of the the the, the departments? I'm just trying to get a yeah. picture in my head, but, like
3: um. Hillen Cutter, who at the time I believe is CIA, and then uh, by the power of grade school. By the power of grade school. Yeah, so he's, he's, in, he's in charge of the CIA at the time. Uh, Vannevar Bush, we've already covered. James Forrestal was uh, Secretary of Defense. Uh, Hoyt Vandenberg, after whom Vandenberg Air Force Base is named, was a later CIA director, and um, at the time was, I believe, the Chief of Military Intelligence. So they've sort of you know go, gone through the CIA, the military. There's Air Force guys. Uh, my man Detlev Bronk is a physicist, uh, top notch um, uh, physicist. Who is actually one of the founders of NASA, pretty much. Uh, so he's another great topic uh, person to bring in on this. Uh, so more uh,
0: is is this stuff readily available to? To people yeah you can go online and
3: read the original uh documents Absolutely. well i mean at the time was it real oh
0: uh, he just go to
3: that would have been a little more research but obviously you know finding out who the director of the cia is is yeah, not tough yeah and if you are a ufo enthusiast and a, a part-time forger you have probably done at least some of the research to find out you know the names of the people who are the secretary of the air force or whatever yeah It's, it's, you know, I expect that if you are very interested in the military intelligence field in the forties, you have a lot of these names at your fingertips. And with the other ones, you can pretty much go to who's who in science maybe, and go through and and pick that Lev Bronk out or, and Menzel obviously has made a name for himself amongst UFO uh, enthusiasts already, so. They would, you know, put him in just to be hilarious.
0: We, we got to include this guy just for the name. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'd do.
3: Yeah, Detlev Bronk, man, that's the guy.
0: Well, you want to talk some more about him?
3: So Bronk is also part of the Brookhaven National Laboratory, which is one of the big nuclear research uh, 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 institutions in the uh, sort of military-industrial scientific complex. He's a biophysicist, so he's exactly the kind of guy you want to ask about, you know, what kind of alien life. Uh, can exist out there and what uh, happens to life under very high uh, physical stress or stress under unknown physical forces. Uh, again, you know, it's, it's a, it's a great choice, not just because his name is Detlev Bronk, but also because he's got the resume of who you would pick if you're building, you know, your majestic twelve committee. And I, and obviously nowadays, if we went through and we did it, we'd put, you know, I don't know, Isaac Asimov or someone on it just because it would have, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, you know, nerd appeal. It's mm-hmm. like how everyone wants Tesla always to be out, you know, fighting vampires or whatever, just because it's the only scientist they've ever heard of in the 18, in the nineteenth century. Will there be, uh, I mean,
2: there's that that guy who's uh, uh he's got his master's, but his his name is Yergey Who. I think he's
3: almost finished his doctorate, and once he does, they'll put him on. The you're list. right. You think? You think? Is he half half Russian, half Chinese? Is that his <laughs> yeah. story? Yeah, it's Yerge Who. Yeah, really. Well, when, That's he, the hill you're gonna die on.
2: He's gonna be Doctor Who you guys it was great shut up
3: i, I have this only...
2: podcast is over <laughs> blurry photos is canceled goodbye everybody
1: <laughs> uh,
3: was it was dr no paging dr no was, dr um... no to the red courtesy phone <laughs> was, was was he american yeah he was uh, he's descended from the uh, family that founded the bronx he's dutch american so oh, he, oh yeah he, oh, i see yeah he um uh you know new york native
2: huh i never well, thought so of you mean uh, the
3: bronx with an x yes yeah but it but, was it began as Bronx, b-o-r-n-c-k apostrophe s because it was bronx town
2: Got oh that's fun to know yeah, yeah. i didn't i
0: never thought of detlef as a dutch name is it is it not i just never thought of deadlift. <laughs> yeah I thought, was, I thought it was i've literally given
3: it zero thought in my life i haven't put a lot of thought into I detlef thought it was german
0: <laughs> german or eastern european or something
2: yeah. mostly because of deadlift shrimp so
0: From if this the, so, so know, this is a tv show
2: we cut to you not sleeping annie going david what are you thinking about names Deadlift. <laughs> detlef detlef <Detlev. laughs> Did you just Russian? go to bed? No. European? Not until I get to the bottom of this. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Tune in next
3: week yeah, for Warren Photos' like... exclusive <laughs> investigation: the origins of the name Detlev. <laughs> I haven't if seen, seen him like Lev. this since Lars. Right in. <laughs> yeah. Tell us your national heritage. What about Sidney Sowers? What about him? Well, that's my question to you.
2: Well, there's a Brock, and now a Sowers.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> He's just candy people. They're yes. just they're just looking around a candy store.
3: <laughs> he's a um, uh, he's naval intelligence. He was uh, in this uh, the group that sets up the CIA along with Vandenberg and the other guys. He's the national security advisor uh, in the '40s. At the time of the alleged majestic twelve memo, he would be the executive secretary of the National Security Council, and so he would have been one of the people that is you know involved again in establishing military intelligence uh questions about this guy so, so let me ask you this then
2: uh let's say for the sake of argument and folklore and mythology let's that, say it that uh that there there was that majestic 12 was real it was from Stuart simington's hometown that they were i don't know who Stuart Symington simington yeah we did i told you about him he's the secretary of the air force oh duh
3: yeah we just did that it's like 12 of these guys yeah, yeah. it's hard to keep track <laughs> Okay, so I don't look, think Simonton's actually on the original Majestic 12. I think there's he's like 13 of lighter. these guys. Yeah.
1: One
0: of
3: them's not he's in the, part. He's the he's the hidden Majestic.
2: <laughs> Secret uh Sydney Sowers was also the executive of the Piggly Wiggly. What? Yeah. yeah. Back in 1925. There you go. <laughs> and back then it was the Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> yeah. Um actually no, it says Piggly Wiggly Stores. Sorry. So it could have been so with them, a Z. both of them with a z for (laughs) for for street appeal um is the win here is the win for majestic 12 is the the fuel for uh ufo conspiracists that there was a project and it was being hidden presumably because they found things is that the wind or just the fact that there was another project that that someone else was looking into it because there's no there's no results there's no, there's no leaked information. Well,
3: the win is uh, where you get people like uh, Corso and Friedman writing their books, where they say that Majestic 12 basically takes the UFO finds from Roswell from the other crashes. They take all of the data that they gather from studying UFOs and they pour that into military technology. So Corso actually writes a book and says, the Strategic Defense Initiative, Reagan's Star Wars policy, the reason that he knows that it's going to work and destroy the Russians is because it's proven alien tech. And all they have to do is just reverse engineer it so that the whole SDI is reverse engineered alien technology run by majestic 12. And if you look in the Delta green universe, which is another um, role-playing game universe, majestic 12 is sort of the um, military intelligence, scientific uh, attempt to utilize uh, alien technology for uh, covert ends. And, so that same mythology that they've got the more advanced aircraft that they're not sharing with us, so they've got better computers that they're not sharing with us. Gotcha. So they've got little, you know, mind control, uh, flashy memory wands like in MIB that they're not sharing with us. That's all alien technology that they've recycled, and you can build it out, you know, forever. There's uh, sort of one of the big sort of uh, expanded versions, expanded majestic mythology is that in 1964 aliens a land at Holloman Air Force Base in New Mexico, and they sign a treaty with the United States. And that Majestic 12 is now in charge of enforcing that treaty so that UFOlogists who are going around trying to blow the lid on the alien presence on Earth are actually being shut down. And this is, I think, where a lot of it comes from is you have to believe that you're important enough that the government cares what you think. Right. right? Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, this is the same thing that you see with all of your, you know, guys who are like, oh, I'm going to i'm gonna show the world with my blog that the cia is bad and right. then it's like oh i can't get my blog to upload it must be the cia doing it it's yeah like, no it's because you're an idiot and exactly you use like blogspot correctly or like whatever it is right all
2: the citizen patriots who threw their 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 facebook likes uh were able to stop the united states government from invading uh, it, texas and yes jade helm. Exactly, exactly yeah exactly from yeah. they stopped jade helm because they were able to expose it to the american people right
3: right yeah we won yeah. 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 Suck it. Citizen Patriots. Texas not conquered.
2: <laughs> I mean.
3: Still part of America normal. It
2: remains unmessed with. Unmessed with.
3: <laughs> that is true. It does remain. Do you know my, my fun, this is. this is. I the- think Texas should have enjoyed, because, I mean, who, what better role in the LARP than the villain? Right. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, Jade Helm is basically a big LARP. Yeah. Right. Live is. action role playing game. Texas, if you look at the map, is clearly Iran. Right. <laughs> that's just that's just geography virtually
0: <laughs> indistinguishable
3: <laughs> no if you, if you look at the if you, the ways that they set up which were the bad countries and oh which right the good yeah countries, yeah geographically you can map it utah is playing syria poor bastards um texas is playing iran southern california gets to be the hezbollah and then you know new mexico is like oh i'm iraq but i don't really know what my motivation is yes yeah, so, yeah. uh, all right so it's 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 all it, it it you know it's 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 the it's the cream roll in the larp man (laughs) accept it you play the villain everyone knows that vincent price made a fortune (laughs) so the the broader alien u.s government cooperation is now being administered through majestic 12 that they become the sort of aliens you know what do you want to call sepoys or whatever Mm -hmm. that are running this sort of uh protectorate planet that we are now and uh there's a project aquarius which is the secret um uh, the, the sort of the research arm of Majestic or Galileo is another name for it, where they is the actual program to uh, reverse engineer the they technology wanted to keep
2: Aquarius and then hair showed up and they were like, well, now uh, it sounds like we're a bunch of f-ing hippies. Lame. So Galileo, Galileo, it is
3: Galileo. Um, and so that's like, you know, you get your iPod from the aliens and that's yeah. uh, that's a Galileo project for you. And then uh, Project Sigma is. Is the ongoing communications with the aliens that's being run through the NSA, and that's why they need HARP, and that's why yep. they need to gather all the data and everything else is to send off to our alien buddies.
2: See, we left that off. We just did an episode on HARP, and we didn't have Sigma in there. Yeah, well, you can't
3: do everything always.
0: Maybe we did what did i don't remember do no, we did do harp i know we, we, didn't didn't harp. Do, <laughs> we didn't we did do sigma, sigma yeah. yeah
3: but it's all part of that you know communicating with the aliens uh project that's ongoing mm-hmm. ever since the Holloman air force base treaty and then the aliens have an embassy in dulce new mexico where they can oh, yeah. eat people and yeah. mutilate like cows and get Under, all the strawberry ice cream they want
2: underground
3: yeah yep yeah splicing and human you can you genes. can follow that particular you know uh sub uh sub myth into really dark places oh yeah you know we, way messed up i mean all of your uh mysterious stunted underground monster stuff yes. it all comes right back into new mexico so
2: quickly because when we did alien taxonomy it like one out of four alien species has an underground city on our planet oh yeah yeah, and and abs- yeah, and,
0: and an and,
3: office and, in Dulce,
2: and and most of them have at least an <laughs> well, air like shaft the, coming up in New
3: Mexico. It's like the Geneva of Earth. Mm-hmm. Now is Dulce, New Mexico, where the yeah. aliens go. You know what
2: though? I I I'm gonna call it right now. They pick New Mexico because no one just no one f- around in New Mexico. People like you go through New Mexico. You know where you're going. No one just hikes or wanders. The next big place is gonna be Oklahoma. Oklahoma, mm-hmm. you know.
3: Yeah. Well, the aliens were gonna set their base in Oklahoma, and they said, um not really a lot to do here i mean it's it's fine i guess if we wanted to raise kids <laughs> i, or, know, I, I reckon know. i mean the cowboy hall of fame is great but how many weekends can you go to that <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. i've <laughs> well, topped out at 20 I mean, when
3: yeah. when did you leave you were I left at, oklahoma in 1988 I, you were I in moved, tulsa uh, no oklahoma city oh oklahoma city, not okay. tulsa good lord um Tulsa, the Oklahoma that thinks it's not in Oklahoma, which is even <laughs> more embarrassing.
2: I, the reason I ask is not related to anything else, but uh, I recently, and by all means, I highly encourage this. I watched Weird Al Yankovic's UHF with the director's commentary and Weird is Al. There a
3: second way to watch? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's glorious. Uh, and so Weird Al Yankovic filmed UHF in Tulsa and to this day remembers the actual address because he just when I was listening he was like oh yeah this same we shot at a place called Louie's bar it was on the corner of 14th and Garamont. and uh and then and after like the fourth time he did that I was like F- this and I just started looking them up out Al- accurate and I don't know if it's a weird Yankovic joke that he looked it all up and was just going to drop it as though he just memorizes everything 20 years later <laughs> but every single address he it, it was he he's like throughout the thing dropping the address he's like oh uh, quick shout out to a woman uh, named Cheryl Ferguson. She was supposed to be in this scene. but We ended up kind of changing it. She got cut. So thank you, Cheryl. You did a great job. We just, we couldn't fit you in the movie. Like the amount of data he remembered about the filming of this movie 20 years later was amazing.
3: Well, if you only make one movie. Right. I well, guess you'd remember it, right? I
2: guess.
0: Good point.
3: Yeah. But uh, I, I, it makes you wonder if maybe Tulsa now has like UH, UHF days, right? Where they recreate the movie or they have a walking tour. I, they better. It, well, I would hope so. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that would give them a reason to exist. <laughs> good for them. Good for you, Tulsa. It's also a good place Plus to... <laughs> Tulsa. No, I was born in Tulsa, and then I left when I was two, so. Nice. It's
2: also a good place to go if you don't want to marry. Anybody? Take me back to Tulsa. I don't want to marry. F*** you guys. <laughs> oh, f- me, eh?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess yeah. I'm the dick here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. F*** you, Let's buddy. Be me, yeah. uh.
2: That's a great old song.
0: Have- hasn't there been a... Uh, sort of fuel added to the fire with some sort of freedom of information release of documents
3: recently. Some liberal bunch of horse, Pucky.
0: That, that has uh, tied into Majestic Oh, there 12. have been a,
3: a number of a more recent Majestic documents released after the Shandera documents. But the thing about these documents is in order to you know get uh, currency, they all have to refer back to the right. demonstrably disproven original memo because that's the og right that's what you have to reference or else you're not really a majestic document (laughs) and so they're all they all have their own hilarious versions of of whatever story they're trying to sell and whatever you know exciting thing that the confabulator in question wants to believe but by and large most of these uh uh most of most of the things that have come out are not foia or if they are they're just someone who said i foia'd and here's what happened and again, the government has better things to do than go say no, no. That's not what happened at all. Right. <laughs> I mean, there have been some FOIA releases, sort of more broadly around the topic, which is how we know, for example, that a lot of these uh, you know UFO sightings were actually U two overflights, mm. and there have been declassifications of the U two overflights uh, because by now no one we're not using the U two anymore. I'm pretty sure, and so no one really cares how we're going to know what it's camera and uh uh, uh airtime perform loft time performance stats are
2: i think we actually still do use the u2s sometimes do we that, yeah that I would think, be awesome if I we think, do i think there's in that...
3: the b52 are like next to each other in the air on the tarmac going hey, how's it going yeah <laughs> pretty great you see these kids over here uh, oh the b1 that's very impressive look at you nearly nearly 150 pounds of bombs.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but you know what though? that's a good point like things like uh the the like the, the b1 and like the the sightings of black triangles Mm -hmm, for 10 years Mm -hmm, right and then then, we're obviously
3: f-111s right yeah um and how awesome is that by the way right (laughs) yeah and now they have um, if you are a reader of popular mechanics they've pretty much put together what they think is the the next generation spycraft the aurora yeah, the one that is the the, the supposedly the replacement for the SR seventy one that is the the next big thing. And yeah, whenever the, you the hear
2: donuts on a rope contrails yeah, and right
3: and and I've had I've talked to astronomers in my acquaintance who say whenever you hear that a satellite has read a license plate from the orbit, that is a lie because optics it's impossible optically to do that because the the atmosphere distorts it too much. Mm-hmm. And if you're reading a license plate, it's because there was a spy plane or a drone, I guess, probably by yeah. now. Uh, but they have to say it's a satellite because everyone knows, oh, no, the satellites are so good. They can read license plates from orbit, which is a great, you mm-hmm. know, sort of everyone knows, but no one has ever officially said type of disinformation.
2: Yeah. And they and they use that Keeps a lot in line. Well, yeah. they use that a lot in the uh, the, the second U.S. invasion or in Iraq. There was um, and, it, you know, it's hard to say, does it start from the Iraqi people? Does it start from the U.S. military? But there was a lot of those myths like. Um, the Oakley eye shields that yeah, the guys right. were, they were they were x-ray glasses they mm-hmm. could see through your clothes there was um, there was a lot of these things that, that about what US equipment could and couldn't do yeah. and
3: then they had the um, uh, the, the rumor of the gold bullet that would uh, knock out a tank right but that was one that supposedly the Iraqi brave resistance had gotten and that might have been the Iranians you know mm-hmm. putting their own memes into the stream yeah, yeah yeah the psychological warfare aspect of any of this modern you know sort of clandestine covert war is crazily interesting and you can look at Majestic 12 as a sort of a, a beginner's example of it mm-hmm. that goes back to the 80s and we're doing it to mess with the Soviets hmm. uh, under Reagan and again you can go back even farther I mean your your old buddy the asswang was <laughs> used as a uh, psychological warfare experiment in the uh, Huck rebellion the communist rebellion in the Philippines a guy named Edward Lansdale
2: Oh, can we, we have one episode where we don't talk about the Huck rebellion <laughs> You know what, fine, just finish. Yeah. Uh, right. I this is awesome, I didn't know this. I thought it
0: was, uh, huck it.
3: Just keep going. I thought it was kind of your bit, right? I went out and I found something out about the Huck Rebellion because you're always talking about it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I thought I I thought I
3: had to mention yeah. it. Yeah.
0: Ken didn't know he'd be the straw. Yeah. It, was this cable's my, back. it was in the briefing
3: documents. Make sure you mention candy, have some puns going, and bring up the mm, Huck Rebellion. The Huck Rebellion. That's what it was. No, what's the Huck Rebellion? The Huck Rebellion was a communist rebellion uh, by the Huck Balahaps was the name of their militia, and they were rebelling against the uh, government of the Philippines in the 50s. And a guy named Edward Lansdale, who was a previously a big-shot Madison Avenue ad guy, joined yeah. the CIA, and the CIA said, we gotta you know, mess with these Huck rebels without actually sending a bunch of American troops in. We gotta
2: Huck with their shit. What ship. have you
3: got? And he says, well, let's send one guy in every so often, and uh, just drain out the blood of some Huck <laughs> rebel that we find. Jeez. <laughs> And then we'll like just spread the rumor that it's the asswing coming to eat them, and that'll act to deny these whole areas to them because they're basically ignorant peasants. And it sure enough, it worked.
0: So mm-hmm. was the asswing around before this, or did they? Yeah, the asswing it? is a pre-existing myth okay. that he sort of leveraged. They just because used it because they kept getting attacked after dark. Right.
3: Yeah, and the, and the and the hucks were you know moving out of their you know their own home area to go out and rebel against stuff. And whenever they'd move into a new area, they don't know that there's not ass there. They've heard the stories and he tried it again in Vietnam, but there, they didn't have a particularly good story for him to uh, go on. But he had a bunch of uh, sort of psychological warfare. Like he was doing um, uh, fake uh, prophecies by the Virgin Mary <laughs> and fake horoscopes, which is another thing that the British did to the Nazis. And so they would have a, um, uh, they would have an almanac that predicted disaster in the north uh and if you believed in you know god and the virgin mary you would have to leave the north and go to the south and the trick was that they wouldn't give the almanacs away they'd only sell them so people knew that they had to be real because they were being charged for it right wow and he a lot of people say that he was the the original the quiet american in the book and in the movie was edward lansdale but he's he's like this sort of secret psychological warrior of the cold war and he his career goes up and down uh but the point being that this is all part of the same great, beautiful sweep that goes back to world war two and probably before of trying to make people believe nonsense. Yeah. And when you've got very little information or very little reliable information coming in, maybe you believe it. Maybe yeah. you don't. Why not? And you know, it's not, you You can't say no one would believe majestic 12 because look, there's people right now who believe majestic yeah, 12. Well, we're we're in, talking about it in a free country. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and no one's
3: forcing them to you In theory have boobs and cats to occupy them with
2: <laughs> no seriously they'll be there guys just
3: just yeah. stick with us
0: yeah. amazing it's amazing the number of ways the human race
3: uh comes up with to f- with itself right you know yeah well we're we're really the only challenge we have <laughs> true. yeah we're the, the only, only f- game in town we, we, we might as well play we pretty much beat up all the saber-toothed tigers so. except yeah. that damn sharknado <laughs> <laughs> the Sharknado is nature's way of taking the Gaia back. Yeah, yeah exactly. Take it's, Gaia back. You've gone too far. I think that if you look into the Ipsy reports on global warming, you'll find Sharknado mm-hmm. down there.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the government doesn't want you to know. <laughs> wow. That's a uh, man. It, it's another dense cookie. Right. A dense cookie to smell. A lot of fun to chew on. A lot of fun. Tasty um, and delicious. Mm-hmm. That's, that's awesome. Uh, and and I think it'll do it for for this round of Majestic 12 <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I mean, obviously, this stuff opens up so many doors. It's like a fun house. We'll do another of-
2: episode when we make up more of it.
3: <laughs> once <laughs> once I, You mean once the new memos get dropped. That's right. Right. right.
2: Which are available from blurryphotos.com uh, on our store, on the PDF format. That's uh- <laughs> right.
0: Go to blurryphotos.com <laughs> yeah. and get it because blurryphotos.org does not have Yeah. No.
3: Never find it at blurryphotos.org. <laughs> That's how would uh, they get you? Yeah, well, misinformation, and we charge for it. So that's how you know it's real. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's it. And
0: uh, hucking
2: with your
3: shit, hucking
0: with your shit. That'll do it for uh, for right now, anyways. For majestic twelve in a um a, a nutshell that showed up on your doorstep in a in microfilm. Yeah, and, and may have been driven to kill itself. <laughs> yeah, and then later found out of outside Bethesda. Naval Hospital, Naval Hospital. So, uh, I think it's it's time yeah. for us um,
2: to form a committee of our own. That's true. Well, you know, Flora, I I actually have some memos. You do? I do. Uh, they were given to me by uh, someone very highly placed in the government. Okay, very secretive.
0: These are the like. It's probably going to be about six of the the very top ranking. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, well, only the most elite.
1: Punch!
2: <laughs> uh,
3: Flora, well, well,
2: Flora, why don't you kick? not you kick it off? You want me to go first? I do, because I don't. <laughs> I got. I got to tell
0: you, unless uh, unless you f***er steal them from me, I've I've got a pretty straight line, uh, uh angle on on oh, uh, this oh, week. Well, then, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, in the nineties, um, there or it was late nineties, early early two thousands there were these uh, experimental toys that were top of the line. Nobody really knew about them except a select few because uh, they only made 12 of them Ooh.
3: Oh, to distribute. I,
2: I would never have guessed that. It was that's the an hottest. Odd,
3: I, that's an odd uh, choice for a number. You know? Yeah. You it's know, very, it's a weird choice. It's, like an it even it's an even number. It have been higher. It's even number. Even odder. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> they... Uh, they uh, they were very highly sought after. Uh, they and they were such such great toys, and pe- only people in the government were had access to them. And their children loved them uh, because they they would uh, grab the toys, and the toys would laugh, uh, and and they were shaped like grays, uh-huh. which is uh-huh. weird. But instead of being gray, they were red. Weird, yeah. Unexpected. Odd. Everybody <laughs> wanted to get their hands on the majestic Elmos. Wow! <laughs> the majestical Elmo twelve.
2: Oh, Majestical Elmo. Wow, you know that's like that's like that's like a thirty-six-hour road trip to the Grand Canyon. And you get there at midnight. You don't have time to stay until dawn. Oh, you wanted the
3: Grand Canyon. <laughs> this is the Sand Canyon. Ah. <laughs> it's a mile long and it's full of sand. Oh, man. Long, all right. Long run for a short slide.
0: All right. All right. <laughs> oh, what's the matter?
2: Yeah, you're like, okay, f- Yeah,
0: D-
3: Derailed, now, derailed let's, you? Let's, let's, let's you? bring no, your bring science. It, let's bring your clever one. I know. It sucks. because you know, All the others are going to build off Majestic on <laughs> Majestic- so it's going to be awesome. Guest
2: always gets third, so I got to. <laughs> yep. In all the time I took to
0: do mine, you didn't think of yours. <laughs> no, no, or two. I was trying
2: to was, follow the f- <laughs> John Grisham novel that you had written.
3: I was, I was riveted yeah.
2: to the narrative.
3: <laughs> who, who can have a second thought in their mind during that compelling buildup? Okay. No, I've got a great pun. Do you? I mean, one of the best
2: ever. Hall of Famer. Hope it's not long. <laughs> Me too. Uh, did you know that um, one of the big things that came out of World War II um, with uh, Code Breakers and the advent of games theory to not only explain psychological uh, phenomena in people, but use them to um, better uh, create further uh, encoding in the future, better ciphers, things like that. Uh, and so one thing that the uh, U.S. government did, and it was across the uh, Army and the Air Force, there were members of government, even uh, private scientists brought in to work on um, creating complexities from very simple games. And they were the majestic tic-tac-12. Wow.
3: Yeah, f- both of you and yeah. everyone in who, this room. Who knew that majestic me elmo yeah. could be followed?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, let's be honest here. The problem wasn't the pun. The problem <laughs> was, that, the was, that, that was the novel that begat the pun. <laughs> the problem. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. All right. Now, as as usual, just take us out to the woodshed, Ken, and show us how it's done. Well,
3: that sounded terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean that at all. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. What I think that a lot of people don't understand because it has been covered up by the government, Uh obviously, is that the crash at Roswell was not the crash of a UFO. It was the crash of a ring of power. Whoa. It was a crash of a ring of power, and they had to assemble top notch minds. Uh, to study the problem mm-hmm. of this uh, of this unknown eruption from supernatural realms, and so they got Dobby, they got Galadriel, they got Santa, mm-hmm. they got a, a <laughs> real a real um, uh, who's who, if you will, of the supernatural community on a, a committee that they called the Majestic Elves. <laughs> nice. See, wait, well done. That Bronk, obviously.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Flora. All right.
0: When the uh, Majestic 12, uh, who, who in this case actually z- existed. Sure they did. When they had downtime, they wanted to kind of clear their minds, you know, been working too hard on, on all this stuff. They would uh, play intramural sports, but they had to practice, right? They mm-hmm. had to practice to, to get good um, before they played the other departments and stuff. So they would play against themselves, and uh, they would become known as the Scrim Majestic 12,
2: wow <laughs> you really are you're right you're riding it like c e- yep. e- that's what he's doing scrimmagetic 12 the scrimmagetic 12 got a business that um, uh you know it it's the digital age has been tough on a number of businesses and and print format in particular um but uh in their day in their heyday very influential uh there was a a, a great service you could get if um, you know, the government has always been slow to respond to anything. Sure it's, it has. You know, red tape, bureaucracy. But if you really, really need something and you need the weight of the U.S. government, you need the clarity, the focus, and the unvarnished truth that only a government investigation can give you. Who do you turn to? Yeah, yeah Dave. If you absolutely have to convince everyone in an already marginalized community of something, then you need one of and Shandera's magnificent misleading memos made. They're the best memo fakers in the entire world. It's a business. It's a business. It's, a business. it's not it's a pun. A, it's not I, a pun. I opted out of puns. <laughs> I pun. decided to invest in. Well, uh Yeah, I, I've used that technique in the past. I ain't going to judge you. <laughs> we'll leave that to the audience. Yeah, that's right. As well, we should. The audience at home can yeah. <laughs> end this. <laughs>
3: Well, uh, once once they set up the Majestic twelve Committee, obviously, they uh, had to make sure that there was no uh, problems with anyone inside. We've already talked about Uh Admiral Forrestal and his unfortunate problems, but it transpired that an even more crucial member of the committee was just untrustworthy. Uh, He was slippery, in fact, and then when they they pressed him on it, it turned out it was yellow. And, of course, that is why Banana Var Bush (laughs) had to be... (laughs) taken off the committee. Nice.
2: That was a deep cut. Yeah, that was well I played. So. I, like I, like I, I, like I like that. I like that a bit.
3: Yeah. Good
2: goddamn
0: puns. Now, we're going to skip listener mail this week. No offense to anybody, uh, and we'll probably get a supplemental in here pretty soon, but I would like to bring up our old friend, The Penalty Box. Uh, some people some people have called for your incarceration. What? Uh, oh, shit. And, I doubt that. And obviously, we we have failed. <laughs> <laughs> we we thus far we have failed to offer you the chance to be in the penalty box. Would you like to to step in and see well, what I, it's I, like?
3: I need to be confronted with my uh, yeah. That's with my he has a right. Here. Yeah, he has a right to hear the Constitutional charges. Constitutional right. I think
0: it was the number of ills in uh, Lovecraft's name. Oh, the
3: Philip. The Phillips. Howard yeah. Phillips. Uh, all right, that's fair.
0: I think I think that was one that charge was that it. got
3: brought up. Yeah, because we were corrected on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, if yeah. I'm, yeah, I've, I've. It's not the first time I've. Met, I'm a serial offender on that. <laughs> I made an error uh, in Zero. the spelling of his middle name on a essay for the university bookman. You're what we'd call a recidivist, a recidivist, my Exactly. So in a way, the penalty box is the perfect punishment for that. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to try it, or should All we, right, I'll uh, do it. All right. <laughs> yeah. I can take it. I can take whatever ludicrously.
0: Oh, you want to do ludicrous? No, oh, no. no, don't,
2: <laughs>
3: nah. don't. You don't want none that. You got of that. it
2: or you want me to? I got it right okay.
3: here. We,
0: we, we actually took a second here to test this. Yeah. Of course, Ken's superpowers have. Yeah,
2: he's largely impervious to the penalty box. But um, but we'll try it. We're going to try it. And we,
0: we have given Ken to read from the complete car care manual, lubrication uh, in the winter maintenance section. Mm-hmm. So Ken, when you're ready. Please uh, uh, read. and and Just that first paragraph. Yeah. And get through it as fast as you can.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Lubrication. Lubrication is a vital part of winter maintenance. The right kind of engine oil will improve your car's starting performance while at the same time protecting the engine's moving parts at highway speeds. A thorough grease job will do much to shield key parts against the corrosive effects of slush mixed with road salt. A correctly lubricated steering system will help ensure the responsive handling that is so important for safe driving on ice or snow, lady.
0: <laughs> can you can you do a couple more sentences, but do it twice as fast as you yes. would normally fast. read?
3: All right. All right. This is going to be less seductive. We're doing
2: everything we can to,
0: to,
3: yeah. to yeah. destroy can. you, and it's not working. All right. The lower the weight or SAE number of an oil, the less viscous it is, and the more easily the engine will turn over. Son of a bitch. Multi-viscosity oils that behave like lightweight oils when cold and like heavyweight oils when warm have largely eliminated the need for special preprinter oil changes. In all but the most frigid sections of the country... 10W30 or 10W40 oil is adequate. The W stands for winter and means that the oil has an indicated viscosity at zero degrees Fahrenheit.
2: Son of a bitch. Well, well that's all the proof we needed. Ken Height is a skin job and we're going to have to like lock him up because yep. he's, he's going to destroy the boat. Boom. <laughs> and you learned a little something about maintenance yeah. for your car. And I, I'm back. I always thought that the W stood for weight because people say, oh, it's like 30 weight, 40 weight motor oil. But no, nope. that's what I love. Well,
3: it may be weight, but the weight doesn't have a W for it. Oh, man. I it, I don't know,
2: man. It's yeah, us. Uh, it's it, It's me more than you. I'm the most afflicted by it. I think the penalty uh, box detects the level of sin.
0: <laughs> You're probably right. Yeah, I won't argue that's that. A good, that's a good point.
2: Oh, man. <laughs> well, well. Yeah. so thank you, everybody.
3: Uh, one more time. Ken, hawk some stuff to us. Ken writes about stuff available at pogrindpress.com website. You can subscribe uh, for 25 bucks a year and Mm -hmm. buy the singles for usually three bucks, maybe a little more if it's a longer single. Or you can buy them uh, uh, the month after they come out. You can buy them on DriveThruRPG or Warehouse23 or wherever you go to buy your gaming PDF products. Nice. And uh, Dracula Dossier, you can pre order that also at com can also
2: hear Ken's rich, sonorous, non-stuttering, uninterruptible voice on <laughs> Ken and Robin Talk
3: About Stuff. Comes out every Friday yes, on iTunes. At mm-hmm. KenandRobinTalkAboutStuff.com mm-hmm. with Robin Laws, my colleague, and soul brother. Yep. <laughs> From Toronto, where yes. the soul lives. My Canadian right. twin. <laughs>
0: oh. The seat of the soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's not, uh, to mention the, the Nazi occult, which we've had you on to talk about and everything that you've done with Mr. Lovecraft and the Cthulhu mythos. Yes. Yeah.
3: Good night. As a thought, the fourth of my series of mythos children's books comes out in October. So I saw a picture that you posted a picture that just recently. No, that was the the cover. That was the Antarctic express. Yes. I, that was volume two that, uh, I had a, a fan send me a picture of him in Antarctica holding it. With uh, menacing penguins, even. So I thought that was pretty great. <laughs> Legit. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, thank you again, uh, Ken, for coming on. And and we
3: always enjoy having you on. Always always learn something new. I love coming on. It's uh, great fun. One of my favorite podcasts. And Woo! one of my wife's favorite podcasts. So. Wins, wins, wins,
0: wins, 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 wins.
1: Everybody. <laughs>
3: Uh,
0: so yeah, check check out all of Ken's stuff. Buy all of his stuff. Uh, go over to the Facebook and and like uh, our page. Do you have a face a uh, uh, Facebook?
3: Anything? I am I'm, I'm a Facebook uh guy. You can you can friend me on Facebook, and there I will go. uh be happy to accept your friendship. So yeah, you, can, you can, can follow
2: me on Twitter. What the hell? There you go. go it's, it's worthwhile. What's your handle?
3: Kenneth Height. There you go. Very clever. Wham. I made it up myself. <laughs> you can get us. I at, think your parents may have made that one up. It's a collaboration.
0: <laughs> you can get us at blurry underscore photos. And, uh, and you can also uh, go to our donate button, which is uh, a and nice and shiny and keeps sure. the, yeah, donate button, keeps the wheel uh, lubricated in winter as it were. <laughs> it
2: does. It does indeed. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, thank you for all that. Uh, iTunes reviews, all those things. You guys are glorious and we love you. <laughs> and uh, don't forget.
0: Uh, We are part of the Chicago podcast Mm co-op, and we would like to uh, uh, extend
2: to you another podcast that you should check out. Yeah, if you you like podcasts because you're listening to this, come on, check out our friends. For example, the Koch Brothers Mystery Show. Join boy detectives, the Koch Brothers, as they use their billions of dollars in shadowy government influence to solve the country's most harrowing crimes. Crimes they most certainly didn't commit. Let's just get that out of the way. Mm-hmm. They are innocent. Mm-hmm. But check it out. It's a ton of fun. It's so, a fun show.
0: Yeah. I used to perform with one of those guys uh, who the did The Koch brothers? With with one of the Koch brothers. they take
2: all the money? <laughs> That's
0: why I'm doing this right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Explain a lot. So or thank or you. Uh, all. <laughs> thanks again to the Chicago Podcast Co-op. All of our sponsors. Thank you, Kenneth Height, for coming on. Mm-hmm. Hey, thanks and- a lot,
3: guys. Anytime.
0: Obviously, we'll we'll uh, uh, drop all the info for, you know, when when the next thing you're working on comes out. And and we'll link to all the stuff uh, in the show notes for how to get to your stuff. And cool, everything. cool. So, uh, thank you for listening. And for this episode of Blurry Photos, I've been David Flor Oswell.
2: Cover up. Nice. And I've been Dave Tickle Me Stecko.
3: <laughs> tickle Me <Majestical-Me. laughs> <And> Stecko. <Majestical-Me-Stecko. laughs> and I've been Ken Admiral Roscoe Heighton Ketter oh, <laughs> oh. I, I, I
0: thought you were going to go for the Vannevar <laughs>
3: uh. Canavar Bush also possible <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Canavar Bush it's a freaking target rich environment <laughs> <laughs> makes Dave's performance ever more inexplicable shut up <laughs> come
2: on guys you guys suck this is why I drink so much <laughs> perp
3: bye bye, bye. Jesus, that was awful. (laughs) Well, someone said sing. That's that's not wise. Stop listening now.
0: (laughs) This was my idea, by the way. I'll take. I'll take
2: it. The sound of the tone. The podcast is over.
1: Bye. Bye. Jesus, stop! (laughs) You stop. Why are we punishing that up?
3: I hope there's dinner plans at some point.
2: There is, and I have declared where we are going. Fantastic. Velvet Taco. A velvet
3: Taca. Do you Huzzah. like tacos? I love tacos. I'm sorry. Did I join ISIS while you weren't <laughs> looking? <laughs> <laughs> What's that in the
2: picture? I don't know. What is it? It's some sort of <laughs> cryptid. <laughs> is
3: it an ass That's a chon chon. <laughs> you fool. <laughs> uh a terrifying i mean this tale. doesn't have to be the only movie in in the series right you guys can do the re, the 70s remake where it's not the aliens it's two guys in the government doing
2: it. <laughs>
0: yeah exactly
3: and then The 90s remake and you know then the one with channing tatum <laughs> you can just keep doing this forever at that majestic
1: point, mike I think,
2: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think at that point we actually have to pay you money for just stealing the role-playing game that we all were yeah having. well that's possible yeah, we just i'm not saying don't pay me money <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> nobody said that yeah i'm pretty sure
1: I,
0: I kind of like if if they're listening to the radio if mm-hmm. there's like the the interruption like we mm-hmm. interrupt this broadcast and then it's like oh no chelsea we'll, we'll we're safe from that that only happens in the movies or so, you know that something only happens in the philippines oh yeah
2: oh what if it was, <laughs> what if it's the
1: <laughs> why is my coconut oil boiling
2: <laughs> um, would if they if would it be like they're listening to the radio and be like you know strange light seen over web veil then this womp 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 like that's pretty good too yeah, yeah. that'll work and that way ever there and there was like i don't i don't get a picture of it <laughs> which makes the least sense on <laughs> three days later i got the pictures back. By- <laughs> hey guys remember we were having a great time at the beach <laughs> i just got my pictures back you won't believe what we had, what i saw i have no idea what these
3: are <laughs> they're so blurry, they're so blurry. <laughs> in retrospect that seems weird i hope nothing's happened in the meantime I, the,
2: the president of photography club imagine if we had been able to tell the police this
3: when it happened <laughs> wouldn't we have been impressive <laughs> <laughs> well, live and learn. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Ronnie, the view here sure is beautiful.
3: Not as beautiful as you, baby.
2: Oh, Ronnie. <laughs> 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 and.
1: <laughs>
2: Ronnie, what's wrong with the radio? I'm scared. Ow!
1: <laughs> Ronnie, Ronnie,
3: Something
1: just took Ronnie. <laughs> That's
3: terrible. That wasn't even the line. What's wrong with the radio. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Did we? Did we have the line set? The line. The line was set. It was. Uh, what was that on the radio at the Templars? I'm scared. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> because I meant- the aliens are broadcasting your podcast. <laughs> okay. 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 I get it. Have you lost the plot of this imaginary movie already? <laughs> yes. Okay. Fair yes. Enough. I, and, and we're
2: making up right that, now. <laughs> that presumes I had it. Okay. I never did. Never okay. did. All right. Okay. Now, now, bear with me, because I'm going to ask you what the line is now. <laughs> I got way, way, way too far ahead of this in my own head. <laughs>
3: you were just imagining. I Ronnie. need to hold my That's row right here. I, yeah.
2: I need to work my own backyard before I start copping fences here. <laughs>
3: Sheriff, you. Oh, I, I got to get back into Arnold. <laughs> Do we didn't have curly fries. <laughs> <laughs> you look terrified.
2: I hope you don't lens crap your pants. <laughs>
1: Really, that, that's what you got. I'm just, that's I'm just God. shooting the gun. I'm got. not aiming. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. Um is is it time to to uh, dive into old Detlef Detlef shrimp of the Seattle SuperSonics? No, nobody.
2: Anybody? Yeah. Just, no. Just man, me. Just you me. keep keep your your Shut up. <laughs> I deserve too that. Late. too late. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Too, I, too long. <laughs> yeah. There was a moment and I I did not. Wait. I was Yep. Yep. I'm not getting closer now. <laughs> no better off than I was. And when they when they and when they
0: when they grabbed him and and these toys laughed uh now keep Every, going, keep
3: going. No, everybody no, no. I don't get, think there's been enough build up Yeah, yet. Draw, draw it out.
0: Everybody wanted to get their hands on Paint
2: all the canvas.
0: Everybody. You want tacos. This is how you get tacos. Is this is how you get tacos.
1: <laughs> <laughs> everybody wanted. <laughs> you bastard. You bastard!
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, not most of the colors of the wind. All the colors of the wind. Is it real
3: loud in the? It is loud.
2: Yeah, sometimes.
3: But my voice is pleasant. It can I can hear it at any volume because I'm so delightful. Now I'm talking to myself through the other thing. Yeah, this is actually better. This okay. is much nicer. Okay. I could listen to this all day. Give me, you give me. You suave creature. <laughs> Hello. You delight. Come to the penalty box often? No? <laughs> give me. Because you're always perfect. That's why. Because everything you, out. you do is art. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Dave. I
2: can't wait to get me some tacos, Stecco. Nope, really? he's going to know that's, it. That's... <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's just for I us. I just
2: want tacos.
1: <laughs> Everybody just wants tacos. Everyone all just right. wants
2: tacos. Um.
1: you're like i've got this one it's on lockdown i I thought i did